worship the worthy lamb today. He is worthy of all blessings and glory and honor. Amen. And if that's what they're saying there, what are we saying back here upon the earth? We're worshiping, glorifying, honoring the name of Jesus Christ. How wonderful he is to us. How marvelous is his works. Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, as we come together in your name, your name is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue confess that you're Lord. Father, you are worthy to take the book, open the seals to reveal the mysteries in this day, Lord. And Lord, we know one day you'll also take that book in another form. When you take a bride out of here, the names that are written in that book, and you rapture her up into glory. We're looking and we're waiting for that day, Lord. I pray, Lord, that our anticipation will just grow greater. Our dedication will be more. Our sincerity will be deeper. Lord, oh God, we must be sincere in this hour to be able to bind the serpent called death and walk out into victory. We must be a sincere, dedicated, consecrated people. Forgive us of our insincerity and help us to be more sincere. I pray, Lord, today that you would anoint us, anoint the ears to hear, anoint our lives and our hearts, Lord, to go out in this world to herald forth the light of Jesus Christ in a darkened world. I pray, Lord, you'll save the lost, heal the sick. Those that are listening around the world, joining us online, and Lord, wherever they are, Lord, you know they are, where they're gathered, the need that they have, the burden of their heart. Oh, God, I know that you always answer. Answer today for every need, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can have your seats. We so appreciate all the good singing, the worship to the Lord, the wonderful music, the Amen, the glorifying to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to serve him today. Amen. Amen. It's a privilege to be gathered together with believers. Amen. And to see you here with us today is a special honor for you to be with us. And um, I wanted just to, um, before that I went into my message this morning, I wanted just to speak to you just a a little bit about um, the the continued missionary and outreach that we are doing here at Evening Light Tabernacle. As you know, during the building of this church, we um, were able to send those to go into Japan. God provided that and, uh, and uh, made a way for every step of the way. And today there is a, a church, a gathering of believers in Japan. If you'll just show that picture of the believers gathering there. And these are the believers that are gathering there now um, that um, as the brothers went forth and began to bring the word and begin to labor, then um, this little, you know, we, we saw fruits to the labor and now there's a nice little group of believers uh, meeting there in um, Yokohama area of Japan and um, they are growing, they're adding to the, the church daily, as uh, such should be saved. And um, so 
arranged to, for him and his wife to fly into um, Japan from the Philippines and to spend their, I think they spent about 10 days to a couple of weeks there and uh, they met in about three different places uh, where that they were outreaching from um, Yokohama. They had meetings here with the believers here and then, uh, then branched out into um, different other places. And while they were there, um, they baptized another believer in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, this is a Japanese believer married to a Filipino wife, but he is a Japanese um, uh, person. And uh, he took on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank the Lord for adding another soul to the kingdom of God. Amen. And of course, they have been baptizing regularly and, and so on, but this is in one of the outreaches there in the outer line areas of Japan. It was quite a few different places that they went. And um, right now, we are, um, we are, I want to show the little picture of the little church building there that they have just rented a house because they, um, there's not really a church that they can buy or median or building like that. So they actually rented a house, a little two-story house, and using the living room that is set up specifically for their meetings. This was important and a great step for them as believers because it provides them a regular meeting place, a regular worship place where that it's set up and dedicated for that purpose. While Brother Danny DeMundo was there, he dedicated it unto the Lord, and, and uh, so we are monthly helping to pay rent on this house and um, that they can meet in. So it's, a, it's an infant church, an infant work, and it's a growing work. And we, uh, of course, have not been able to go back there because of COVID. I think you have to have three, if not four, vaccinations, and uh, so... We have not met the requirements of all that they require because of COVID uh, rules, and they just barely has opened up. In fact, we had to delay the meetings that were due in September over into October <clears throat> in order, in order to or November rather, so that um, so that the, Brother Danny could go there because they had um, still had res- travel restrictions into the nation of Japan. So it's just now opening back up. And uh, believers, of course, are, are able to gather and uh, worship the Lord. And um, rather than having to you find the venue every, every uh, few weeks or every week, you know, and this week this, this little room's available and this week is a small room, this is a larger room, you know, back and forth. Now they have a permanent place that they have a lease on for a year. And so I just wanted you to know that we were... Um, helping to uh, do this. Um, I left my paper in my room, but I think we have right at about 71 or two translations of uh, sermons of Brother Branham's that we have sponsored this month, I mean this year, and this year that we've got like 71 or two that have been translated from English into the Japanese language. These are put on the message hub. You know, sometimes people will criticize the use of the internet, but, you know, um, this is where the people from around the world that are Japanese-speaking people 
can go to the message hub. Actually, you can go to the message hub and get French or um, English translation, English, French, um, all, all different kinds of languages, Japanese now. So, so we got several hundred that we have been able to th- do this. Now that was at a cost of, of um, between sponsoring the meeting and, and between um, the translations, we have spent um, around $15,000 last year just on, on the, um, the missions uh, for Japan. And that's not to say of what we have done for other places, um, but you know, while I'm talking about Japan, I just want to just talk about the, the Spirit of God is moving there, is adding souls to the kingdom. There are healings that are taking place. It was a Japanese sister with tumors in her lungs. Her dad died of the same condition. It was a horrible condition. And she was in a dying condition. They laid hands on her and prayed for her, went back to the doctors. All the tumors are gone. So, you know, the signs follow the word. And uh, so there are healing, miracles, and things of encouragement. And uh, I also wanted to say yesterday that I, I sent a $1,113 for um, the two sermons of uh, Paradox and Invisible Union to be translated into the Arabic language in Egypt. So these will actually go and be able to help spread the gospel. You know, a paradox is a miracle. And what you're actually seeing is a miracle take place. And um, as the gospel is going forth into all the world. And so we did that yesterday. Um, uh, I also wanted to to mention that um, we pay monthly for the house rental of one of your favorite leading evangelists. And I'll give you a hint, he doesn't attend church here. So it's not one of our brothers, but you know we have an interest in others and other needs and other situations. So we have been doing that on a monthly basis to provide help for uh, and to help sponsor one of our evangelists on the field, provide, a, provide that his rent is taken care of so that he doesn't have to worry about that. He's got a... He's got a roof over his head. And of course, um, as you know, we, we uh, support four ministers here in the church, myself included, and sending out two full-time evangelists as well. And, and uh, so, you know, we are, we're doing everything that we know to, to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to just say, I believe we've got the, one of the best, I'm just going to say one of the best ministry teams in all the earth. Amen, that God has blessed us with here at Evening Light Tabernacle. And I wanted to say also that, you know, um, last month I was able to send $10,000 to help the believers in Newfoundland to purchase a church building. That's um, way up in the, uh, the, the far northeast co- uh, corner of uh, North America. In Newfoundland, and they've been a, a, a very dedicated group for many years under the pastor, Brother Gerald Lush. They have a, um, a young minister there, uh, Brother Jonathan Curlett, that is also now helping out, and, and the church is advancing, they're moving, they're adding believers, and uh, the church is growing. And, uh, you know, the, the Catholic church... Um, actually, in that area, got into the whole diocese, got into a big lawsuit 
because of the sex sins of the priest, and uh, they lost a lot of their buildings, and so they went, um, they went and were were liquidated, and and to pay some of the some of the cost of the litigations and so on like that. Well, it just so happens their loss is our gain. So one of those Catholic churches is now a message church. So God provides. And so we were happy to help them out in this time. We've also printed booklets and outreach materials for Uganda as uh, there is a mighty revival that is sweeping that land. And uh, there, are, there are tremendous needs there. We've helped, you know, um, we've helped rebuild churches in the Philippines after the uh, typhoons had destroyed them. So, uh, you know, I'm only saying this, you know, because God has blessed us in so many ways and provided for us. And that I just wanted you to know when you give to missions, we're trying to get this gospel out to the world because the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness and to all nations and then shall the end come. Amen. So, you know, if you, if you pray about it and you think about it, God puts an extra uh, dime in your pocket that you could give. Just write it on an envelope for missions or on your check memo for missions and drop it in the offering. And then we pray about it and try to send it out where that it can be. We, uh, we know that God's people will be blessed by it and helped. And we have a responsibility to others. You say, why would we want to be interested in others? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we can't go into rapture without them. As I've said, you know, I, I got the Holy Ghost and you didn't get it that day. Perhaps you got the Holy Ghost on a day and God met you and somebody else didn't receive it on that same day. But when the rapture takes place, it's not something we're doing individually. It's something we're doing collectively. That means then I can't go until you're ready to go. So that's why I have an interest in the world. That's why we have an interest in others. That's why that we want to see the body of Christ prosper around the world. Amen. So, you know, um, for those online, uh, I know some people will wonder, well, how can we help? Well, I'll just tell you, um, if you feel to help on that, PayPal charges us about 3 or 4%. If you want to donate some to them, that's fine. But an old-fashioned check wrote out, it'll all get to missions. So anyway, it's, um, it's good sometimes to be just old-fashioned, right? Amen. So it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. I wanted to say as a pastor, thank you for all your help and labors of love to help with the wedding yesterday and not just to help, but your generosity and the contributions um, in every way, your attendance, your part, it uh, meant a lot to us as a family and as a church body. And, and um, I know, you know, when the time comes, we'll be there for your young person as we, as we um, uh, you know, I talked with Brother Buzbozi from Uganda and, and of course there, you know, they expect a, a dowry and, and so, uh, you know, and so it's a really hard for young people to get started. So most of them don't get started until in their 30s, you know, in a marriage because they got to save for dowry to, to pay for the, the, the dad for the daughter. 
Well, I said, you know, so I said, this is not like Uganda. We don't require uh, 10 cows and 20 goats and, um, you know, a bunch of gifts to give to the parents. I said, we help our kids get started. And so I, I, he wrote me back. And he said, that's a good custom. I wish we had it here. So, you know, it's um, different in different parts of the world. But, you know, the thing about it is God has a people around the world that he's calling for his namesake. And I want to say I'm thankful that God has raised up young people in this church. As they stood there, you could tell that kiss was not practiced. <laughs> right? Everybody could tell that. That one had never been practiced before. So, you know, they stood in front of the, the pastor and right in front of the pastor took their first kiss. And uh, that's the kind of young people we want to raise is people who have dedicated themselves to the Lord and kept themselves and, um, for, the, for the purpose of uh, serving Jesus and the gospel of Christ. So let's stand together as we turn to Genesis chapter 18 and verse 9. I want just to look into the word of God today and just see uh, again something, some nugget from the scripture that we can get out. Genesis 18 and verse 9. And they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. I love those words. They just resonate within me. I will certainly, this is an assurance, will return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. May God bless his word. You can't be seated. As we look into the scripture today, I'm going to speak on when the promise is delayed. And if you don't mind, I would like to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 for some further reading as we uh, look to this time. Uh, and, and it says, for Christ also hath suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which he also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which were sometimes, uh, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, and that is, eight souls were saved by water. So I want you to notice from this scripture that he speaks of the long-suffering of God waiteth. So it goes to show us that when a promise is delayed, that there is a purpose. God has a purpose and a plan. And there is something that he is doing, that he's working all the time behind the scenes to bring the promise into fruition. And though it may look like the promise is forgotten, really it's the long-suffering of God. 
that, that will wait until, you know, given every opportunity, moving every stone, getting everything just right. If you go to the second epistle of Peter, chapter 3 and verse 1, he will say, this second epistle, brethren, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust. So we're going to see in this that there's, there's got to be adversity in the time of the fulfillment of promise. So uh, here again, he would tell us that, that first, now first I want to establish, you're going to have opposition. There's going to be difficulties. It's not, it's not going to come easy and there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be those that scoff at the promise. Yeah, actually, Brother Brandon, when he preaches a rapture sermon, he first deals in almost the first half of his sermon with scoffers arising that will scoff at the promise of God. And, and as he would say, that will say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers have fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So again, we find that it's going to have a, an air to it or seemingly that everything is just the same as has always been. That there's really nothing happening. There's really been no changes. There's really nothing taking place. That, you know, it's a, just a time of silence and God isn't doing anything and God isn't moving. And, um, you know, that it seemed like that maybe God went on vacation or perhaps um, he made a promise and went back in the heavens and he just forgot it all. But I want you to know that he would tell you then that they are willingly ignorant. So there are some facts that they're overlooking. That there are things that they're not putting in the equation when they're scoffing because there are other things that would, that if you looked at it this way, that it would balance out the view that you're having. So he said they're willingly ignorant of that the word of, by the word of God, the heavens were bold and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So he said, just as the world was brought forth by the word, God, the word holds, actually the, is kept in store, reserved unto the fire against the day of judgment. So God is actually reserve things or holds things back to be revealed or made known in a certain hour. So he says, then he said, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So God isn't on your time. And he doesn't count time like you count it. And it really doesn't matter to God because he's timeless, he's eternal. 
So the time that you have spent waiting on a promise, it's, it doesn't mean anything to God. It's going to come to pass anyway. And nothing's going to stop it. Because the next word said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. You see, he's always working in, in when you don't see him working. He's, he's moving when you're not seeing him move. He's, he's putting things into place that, that, that has to be there in order for things to happen. So he's not slack according to his promise, but as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. He doesn't want to bring it premature. He knows exactly the right time. Exactly the right moment for your deliverance, for your freedom, for your liberty, for your healing, or whatever it is that you're calling upon God for, waiting on the coming of the Lord. But you see, it is his long suffering uh, toward us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. This is the kind of God that we serve. He's a God that will even let things go into overtime. In order, to, to, in order to save those because he's not willing that any should perish. He wants all to be saved. He's a lot different from us. So, you know, we get a little bit carnal-minded with us four and no more. And we could care less if the world went to hell in a handbasket. You know, but God isn't that away. He's not willing that any should perish. Amen. He, his whole desire is that men might be saved. Sure, he wants a bride, and he wants her without spot or wrinkle. But God's even bigger than that. He's got people wrote in his book that are not his bride. that are a multitude without number. You can't even number them for the multitude. He, he's got such a big heart. He, he was not willing that any should perish, but that all might have eternal life. This is a God we serve. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of peace. He's a God of love. And he reaches down way beyond your thinking and, and, and your abilities of even able to love. And God can love the unlovable. And when you were unlovable, he died for you. And one thing about this God, he don't ever leave you where he found you. But his whole purpose is to lift you up into a higher place. He is not slack toward his promise, but but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth and all the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing that all these shall be dissolved, These things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Now, the Amplified says it this way, and this is the way I want to kind of emphasize it in this service. Since all these things are thus in the process of being dissolved, there is a process that God has. He has a method, he has a plan, he has a purpose. He has a purpose for us facing 2023 right ahead. He has a purpose for why he has kept us as long as he has. He has a purpose 
for the gospel going to Japan and to all these other places and reaching out into the far places because his long suffering, he's not willing that any should perish. In fact, there are others that have been seen in the vision walking in step with the word. And some of them are out of step and they're out of harmony with God, but he's not forgetting them. He's not casting them aside. Even those that are not walking right is void. The voice screams out, get back in line, get back in line. You see what it is? It's the mercies of God that is reaching out way beyond human comprehension. Now, so as we see in the process of being resolved, what kind of people ought each of you to be in the meanwhile and consecrated and holy behavior and devout and godly qualities? So what kind of people ought we to be seeing everything's coming to an end? Seeing is going to come as a thief in the night. Seeing that it grinds slow but sure, but it's coming. What kind of people ought we to be? Again, it says, since all these things will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people should you be? Your lives should be holy and dedicated to God. Another translation, or the next verse says, looking far and hasten unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. I like it when it says it this way in the, in the Amplified. As you wait for the day of God, do your best or do your part to make it come soon. So when you're looking at the coming of the Lord, do your part to be ready. Don't let you be the hindrance. Amen. Do your best to make it come soon. Amen. Because, you know, again, the day will come when the heavens will burn up and be destroyed and the heavenly bodies will be melt, will melt by the fervent heat. But nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Where that righteousness will be at home, you can look around in this world and you can see this is not our home. The more you stay here, the less welcome you feel. Your values, the things you believe, the things you hold true, the less you feel welcome. You don't fit in. You're not a part. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you and also in his epistle speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood and which they that are learned or unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures to their own destruction. Yet ye therefore beloved seeing you know these things before. Beware lest also ye also being led astray with the error of the wickedness fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory for now, both now and forever. So these are the words of Peter as he admonishes us to look toward the end time. 
And we are living in the fulfillment of the word of God. And, and it's been a long delay of 2,000 years. Yeah, we've come down through seven church ages. And this made, this made things, you know, in our generations as things began to change and you, you could, the winds of change began to blow and the moving of the Holy Spirit as the former and the latter rain began to be poured out. You can see it even began with 1906 in our own um, Laodicean age where the Holy Spirit would be poured out there in Azusa Street. And, and then, you know, that would be, it seemed like a time where they would just kind of sink down in despair, make another denomination and forget the original um, uh, call that they had. And, and then, then we would see God move on the scene and he would send a, an angel to a, a man and would meet with him, a prophet of God, and, and ordain him and send him out with a message of divine healing. And this made men such as Jack Moore and Gordon Lindsay to write in their book, Bible Days Are Here Again. Because they could see now scriptures that were literally being fulfilled and it caused a, a revival in a, and a, and you know, a, and a time of, of a real excitement as they looked into the promises of God and saw, you know, God is not just a God of the Bible, but he's a God of today. Now, so you know, we, we of course have seen many great things that have happened in this last age. And Sarah and Abraham, they also have seen great things happen. And God had called Abraham 25 years before this at 75 years old. And, and Sarah was 65. And now the promise had been delayed for 25 years. When God gave him the promise of a son and being a great nation, he was already an old man. He was 75, as I said. And even then, when the promise was given, it seemed impossible. And that's the way it is when it comes to God's promises. It's always something that doesn't seem likely. It just doesn't fit in the regular routine. Or it doesn't fit with man's thinking. And so it seemed impossible, but you know, even in there, Satan would delay this promise even more. And Brother Branham would talk about this, and I know my Redeemer liveth. He said when Abraham was 75, he got the promise of God, and he told it to Sarah. And the devil said, you know what? I'm just going to delay that for a while. I believe if I can just get them so old, they'll lose faith. And they'll know it can't happen. If they're already shaking at 75, if I can just keep it that way for a while. And he kept it away until Abraham and Sarah was stooped in age, gray hair, and stooped shouldered. But you know one thing, the devil may throw a stumbling block and a hindrance, but he cannot stop the promise of God. The promise of God is going to come to pass no matter what kind of obstacles the devil puts in the way. Her body was old. Her, it was wrinkled. The milk veins were dried up. Her heart was so weak, it could not have went through labor. But God lets us know his purpose will not be defeated. 
Amen. He, he changed Sarah, made her back to a young woman again, took a man a hundred years old, turned him back to his youth. Now that may seem unreasonable, but you see, God gave a promise. And the Bible looked at it, forgave Abraham's mistakes and his stumbles along the way. And he would write of him. And Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong, given for God praise, for he judged him faithful and that he was able to perform what he had promised. Now, you know, it seems there's always a delay when it comes to God's promises. That's when you got to be certain of God. You may be looking maybe for something to happen. Maybe a husband to be saved. Maybe your children that are lost to come back. You may be looking for a change in your finances or troubles in your home or, you, or, or something that take place. Maybe you're barren and you're looking for a child or, you know, something that, that, is, that, that is there that, that you have an earnest hope and expectation for. But you just remember that that it seems that there's always a delay when it comes to God's promises. But that's when you need to be certain of God. you got to be certain that he keeps his word, that he's going to do what he said he would do. There are delays sometimes when you pray that it don't seem that God will answer. And that's again when you have to be certain of God. you got to be sure of him. Amen. As Brother Branham told us in Be Certain of God, he said, you know, when we confessed our sins and we met a requirement that God requires, we believed on God, there's a circumstances that has to be met. And it's according to his will. And we confessed our sins and we made all the wrongs that we did right. And we've done everything we know how to do, every requirement that God had made or asked. And we met that requirement. And yet, he remains silent. He just don't answer us. And he said, I'm sure I'm speaking to people this morning who's come to that place. And Brother Branham said, I've been there myself many times. When I went back and I've traced my life and I've turned over every stone and I find that I did something wrong and I go confess that. And Lord God, I'll make that right. And I'll go do it and come back and say, now, Lord, you're God. And you'll answer me. Surely I've met every request that you required me to do. And every requirement that and I've met it. And still he won't move. He just seems to set silent. That's what you got to be sure. You've got to be sure that he's God. Don't be discouraged. The only thing is that your heart is to be certain of God. Amen. So when God gives a promise, he doesn't say when. He just says, I'm going to do it. And it's on my time. Not on your time. And you're going to wait. And you're going to have to have some patience. But I'm going to bring it to pass. But I'm going to teach you, you know, to, to, to wait. And I'm going to teach you to have patience. And I'm going to teach you so that you can run one day and not be weary and walk and not faint. I'm going to teach you that you don't just easily give up. You just don't throw in the towel and quit. But you persevere. Persevering, holding on to the promise. 
that when you take a hold, like Jacob did, he was, he was known as his other name was heel grabber because he come out with his hand on his brother's heel. He was a little bit late, but he was grabbing to out there trying to be the first. Amen. You know, he was reaching out. And though he was a little bit late as a heel grabber, he didn't give up. He wanted that blessing. He wanted the birthright. He wanted the promise. And he got the blessing of the firstborn because that he was perseverant. Amen. Now it looked like it was for somebody else. It looked like it would be delayed. But God gave it to him because of his perseverance. Habakkuk 2 and 3 says, For the vision is for an appointed time. God has an appointed time. He says, A set time for your promise to be fulfilled. It wasn't fulfilled this year. Well, he's got a set time for it. Your healing didn't come to yet today. He's got a set time for it. Your children wasn't saved yet and hadn't come in. He's got a set time for it. Amen. You, you, got the, you need a new job or you need to be blessed. God's got a set time for it. You know, your whole deal is to be certain of God. Be certain that he has the perfect timing. That he won't bring it prematurely. Amen. But everything's going to be in place. He's a God of order that places things in the right place. Amen. Because he said, at the end, it shall speak uh, and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So you see, he said, the vision is for an appointed time, but at the end, it shall speak. You see, this is when the vision speaks, not, a, not during the delay, but when, when the end comes, then you see the vision speaking. And it will not lie, It'll, it, it, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. God's promises surely come to pass. The Bible said in Hebrews 6 and 12, that we are to be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You say, Brother Tim, I believe. Yes, you believe, but God requires some patience to go along with your faith. A lot of people just say, well, I've got the faith for it. I believe God, I accept it, it's my promise. But then they give up because they don't have patience. But I want you to notice it's through faith and patience that you inherit the promise. For when God made the promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And when he swore by himself, what he did, he was pledging all that he was. He was saying, all of heaven is behind this. All my majesty, all my power, all my glory, all my honor is all behind the promise that I'm giving. And because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And so he said, saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee. And multiplying, I will multiply thee. And after, so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. What? He had to first patiently endure. It didn't just come at the snap of the finger. God gave the promise and that was it. But no, he had to patiently endure. But listen, his word that all heaven is behind is, with blessing, I will bless you. 
Can't you take that promise to yourself? Amen. You're the seed of Abraham. If God gave this promise to Abraham, he gave it to you too. That blessing, I will bless thee. And I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to make you greater than where you are. That you're not going to stand in mediocrity. You're not going to remain where you are in this moment. But I'm going to add to you. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be honored. You're going to be lifted up. You're not on your way down. You're on your way up. I want you to know you are not the people of the dissension that is falling. We have a world that is falling. It is falling into sin. It is falling into unbelief. But you are not that kind of people. You are the people who will rise. You are the people of the ascension. You are the people of the rapture. But it takes faith and takes patience. Now let me say it this way. First you got to get in agreement with God. That's your first step. Lord, you promised you would bless me. You promised no good thing would you hold from them to walk uprightly. You promised, Lord, you, you would bless me in the field. You'd bless me, you know, in the city. You would bless me in everywhere. You, you promised your blessings. Your blessings is upon me, God. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I, I can't help but be blessed. I'm a son of prosperity. I'm like Joseph in the Bible. No matter what comes against me, I'm going to prosper. Doesn't matter if I'm sold into Egypt or thrown down in a pit first, I'm going to be blessed. Amen. Blessed with life and live down in Egypt. Blessed there to become a servant and a slave. I've got to learn the language. I've got to learn the custom. I've got to start at the bottom. People want to start at the top. And God said, I'm going to bring you through some series of things. So that when you reach the position that I want you in, you have the character to go with it. I'm not going to just elevate you from a young boy, you know, with a dream and a vision. And Oh, I saw you kneel down to me and I'm going to be in this great position. And, you know, and, and wearing this coat of little color, of many colors and strutting around. God said, no, no, I can't put you there yet. I got some things to do for you. There's got to be some working on your character. There's got to be changings in your attitudes. I'm going to teach you something in this trial you'd have never learned by somebody telling you. You're going to go through some things that are going to hone you and give you a character that you can help others, that you're going to be a beacon, that you can be a light and a testimony. Say, well, Brother Tim, my family isn't served in God and my servant, my, my family is all broke apart and my mom and dad, they won't even speak to each other, but God allowing you to go through that so that you can break the cycle, that you can show that out of weakness, God can make strength, that God can show that out of your life, he can have an overcomer, no matter what kind of evil that you were set in and the troubles that were against you. Amen. God comes through to produce a character in your life, to make you an overcomer, to be, as I said, a light, a testimony that others might see. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. It takes faith 
and patience. Not just faith. Well, Brother Tim, I've got faith. I received the revelation. Glory to God, we got the faith of this message. We got the faith. We got the original faith. Well, God's giving you some patience. You're going to have to learn some patience to go along with it. But first thing I want to say, you're going to have to get an agreement with God. And then the battle is from then on to stay in agreement with God. God will give you a promise. Maybe it's a promise of healing and, and, and you agree with it. Yes, amen. But then the doctor's report comes. Then the negative report comes. Then the opposition comes. That's the battle to stay in agreement. You've got to stay in agreement with God. And I want to say this. The promise has got to get in your spirit first. You see, once it's in your spirit, then it becomes your confession. A lot of people, they've never let the promise of God become in their spirit. You can tell, you know, oh, they're still in their wowsy, wowsy woos. They're still in their troubles and their, oh, my heartaches. And I've been this way all my life. Like I was preaching last Sunday, you're in the darkness of the tent. And God's calling you to come into the light. Amen. Let the light shine on the promises of God for you. But, but you see, you just got to get in your spirit first. This is the way that Sarah was. She had heard the promise, but it had never got in her spirit. She sat back in her doldrums, in her wowsy, wowsy woos, in her lukewarmness. And she lay back there in her despondency. It'll never be me. It'll never happen for me. If others get blessed, but I don't ever get blessed. Look like when healing, comes, the angel comes by and there's healing in the church. Somebody else gets the blessing, but I don't get it. Amen. Where, where is there a blind Bartimaeus that is sit by the wayside and hear Jesus' presence and screams out, thou son of David, don't pass me by. Amen. Somebody that'll get an agreement. Amen. He's the redeemer. He's the savior. But he's not just the savior and the redeemer, but he's my savior and he's my redeemer. He's my God. Once your spirit, once it's in your spirit, it becomes your confession. Then you start confessing that I'm healed. Yes, I've had my troubles. Yes, maybe today's not been the best day, but it's still, I'm still healed. His word is still true. I know this is just part of my story. This is just part of my journey. Amen, this is part of the steps that I have to take. I've got to go down into the low valleys in order to get up on the mountains. Come on. Amen, I've got to go through the hardships in order to enjoy the blessings. You see, to believe is a commitment and you have to have the boldness to believe. When you believe a promise, you're committing yourself to it. Come on, God gives a vow and he said, I'm not giving up. I'm putting all of heaven. Listen, when you enter into covenant with God, you need to come with the same thing, with the same tenacity. God, you gave a promise and I'm not giving up on it. If you're pledging all you have to fulfill this, then I'm pledging all I have to see that it's fulfilled. I'm gonna do my part. Amen. 
People look for evidence. I need evidence. The Bible said faith is the evidence of things not seen. That's the only evidence you need is faith. Being certain of God. Knowing God said it. He said he was wounded for my transgressions. He said he was bruised for my iniquities. He said he took his, my weapons that I should have got. He took them upon himself and with his stripes, I am healed. Amen. You know, I may not see it yet, but I, that's a, I'm already healed. Amen. I'm already as Abraham. I'm a father of nations. Where's the seed, Abraham? Don't have one yet, but I'm a father of nations. God gave me a promise. And I'm going to wear that name. Come on. Amen. You've got to change your name and your identity from being, I'm the sick one. I'm the troubled one. I'm the one. I'm always, all, all of hell is against me. And I, you know, always pour mouth. You've got to change your confession. I'm a son of the most high God. Amen. I'm a child of glory. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am the blessed of God. I am all that he said that I am. I am who he said I am. I need evidence. Your faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things you only could hope for. You have the evidence when you have faith. When you pray, you might be like Elijah. You pray and there's, there's no cloud. You send, a, you send a guy out looking and you pray with all your heart. The, the Bible said that, that Elijah was a man of like passion as we are. And he prayed earnestly. And here he would pray earnestly one time and it didn't happen. Send his servant out. What do you see? I don't see nothing. You mean Elijah prayed and nothing happened? Yeah, Elijah prayed and nothing happened. But God had given a promise. I'm going to send rain. And Abraham, I mean, Elijah was not going to give up on that promise. He didn't see it the first time. He didn't see it the second time. He didn't see it the third time. He didn't see it the fourth time. He didn't see it the fifth time. He didn't see it the sixth time, but the seventh time. The servant come back and said, yeah, I see something. It ain't much. It ain't a big sign. You know, but, but I wanted you to know your delay is over. I did see a cloud and it's the size of a man's hand. That's all I need. I don't need anything else. Go prepare. Go tell Ahab, prepare his chariot. Amen. Go, I'm going to run before him. It gave him such energy. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Hallelujah. When you see just a little bit of move, you begin to say, I can hear. I hear the rain coming. I hear the blessing coming. I hear the power coming. I don't need a great move. I just see a little something happen. I just see God is on the scene. It may not look much, but God will take something that is little and he'll make it big. 
I tell you, it's about time for God to end your drought. It's about time for the famine to be over. It's about time for you to come into your blessings. It's about time that the God of Elijah show himself to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, victory lays on the other side of your struggle. Victory is on the other side of your trial. I want to tell you, there will always be a Red Sea in your way. There will always be giants in the land that God gave you to inherit. Sometimes it is so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. And Brother Branham would tell us that very words, and he said, but there is a man here that God is present to turn on the light that any moment that suddenly things could change. And I want you to begin to look in your life for a sudden change. For things that you have prayed for, dreamed about, had visions of, you long for, for suddenly. You see, the Lord suddenly will come to his temple. There's things that God does that he, you know, that he, you know, it seemed like there's been a delay and a holding back. And then suddenly, everything begins to change. Suddenly, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. Mary and Martha, they were friends of Jesus, but they experienced a delay. Jesus would delay his coming. You know why Jesus would delay his coming? So he could be a part of their story. Where he could show I am the resurrection and the life. So that he could come right down there and man move right into the story of their life. And their life, their, their story would have never been the same had not Lazarus died. Nobody would have known that he was the resurrection and the life. Amen. That a man four days dead and four days on his journey into the regions of the dead here would be called back. Nobody would have ever known that. We've never experienced that. Unless there was a delay. But God had a purpose. He had a plan. And he says, I got to wait here. Because I've got a moment I'm going to show up. I want you to look at the moment when God shows up. And he shows out. I want to tell you today, God's about to show up in your life. And when God shows up, he shows out. Hallelujah, the drought becomes over, the rain comes. And you ought to be hearing it this morning as the word comes forth. That's the sound. That's the sound. It's the sound, the rain's coming. It's the sound, blessings are about to fall. That the promise is about to be fulfilled in my life. God wants to write himself in your story. There will be your Red Sea that he comes and fights for you. 
that he say, this battle's not yours. It's mine. I'm personally involved in your life. You're not on your own. You're not just adrift in life's sea. But I'm the guide. I'm your director. I'm your leader. I'm there for you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. As it was in the days of Noah, there was delay. Peter refers to this as while the ark was a preparing. While things were being made ready for that great climatic change that was going to happen. And Jesus warned us of this day as he said, as it was in the days of Noah. And it is now time, as you know, for the cleansing of the earth for the millennium. But this time, it is by fire. There'll be nuclear destruction. There's never been an age where that the beast has power, as recorded in Revelation 13, to be, do miracles in the sight of the world by bringing fire down out of heaven. There's never been a time like in the book of Zechariah where the plague would be that, uh, that as the nuclear destruction comes across that men would be standing and their flesh would just melt off of their bones and their eyes and their sockets. Never been a day like we're in where we're so close on the edge of the burning. Ninety years ago, it was spoken. It'll be 90 in this next year. In June of 1933, it was seen in a vision. Smoke bombs and craters all over the land of America. As far as the eye could see. But I want you to know that's just part of the burning of the earth. America will burn. The Bible said Rome will burn. But then the whole earth will burn and the righteous will walk out on the ashes of the wicked. And never forget that part of Malachi 4 says that God will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the day of the Lord. Right now is man's day, but the day of the Lord brings a day of reckoning. And the Bible tells you there that, that, the, that the earth will burn as an oven and that the righteous will walk out on the ashes of the wicked for the great millennial reign. And he said, I'm gonna send you Elijah the prophet before this happens because there's gotta be a people's heart that are turned back to the gospel of Christ. Amen, there's gotta be the true gospel restored in order for the people to be made ready because I'm not just going to destroy the earth without taking a remnant. I'm gonna do what I said. I'm gonna have a bride and she'll be without spot or without wrinkle or without blemish. But to do this, the world's in confusion. The world's in darkness. The world's in trouble. The world's split up in 40 something thousand denominational views. You have a difficult time waiting yourself. Well, I want to find the truth, Brother Tim. I want to find the real truth. Well, go out there, 40,000 denominations. Go search them all out. How many lifetimes is that going to take? To listen to all this, this and says this, and this and says that. You're a yo-yo up and down. Don't know what to believe. 
That's why God had to vindicate a word in this day. To take all the guessing out of it. Amen. God wanted you to know of a surety what his word was by confirming it with signs following. Amen. So I, I want you to forget that part of Malachi 4 that says that God will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the day of the Lord, that there comes a day of reckoning. And we're in a day of reckoning. The Bible tells you, and we'll turn to Revelation 16, 15. I'm going to read a few verses here. But, you know, again, the Bible tells you that there are vials or bowls of judgment, of stored up judgments that are just waiting to be poured out. Isn't that amazing? That God would have actually bowls shown symbolically in the book of Revelation as vials or bowls of judgment that are stored up, that are waiting to be poured out. You often wonder, why does God delay in pouring it out? Why does God wait until a certain time? I can think down to the dark ages when men and women were at the, at the, the stocks being beat and whipped, women's hair dipped in tar and burnt, breasts cut off, babies cut out, gambled over the sex, treated them like worse than animals. 68 million down to the dark ages killed and slaughtered. Let me tell you, the only reason they could do it was because they were anointed to do so. I want you to get the picture. They didn't do that on their own. There was the ox anointing or the calf anointing of the four anointings of the Spirit of God, the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. And that day, the ox anointing, that Holy Spirit, the cherubim, had turned and looked toward him that way and said, my deliverance is going to be for you through death, a beast of sacrifice. And I'll deliver my people, but they'll be faithful unto death. Oh, Brother Tim, I'll tell you what, I... I can't live this message. I'll tell you what, I'll just go. I'm not going to make the rapture. I'll just make it in the tribulation. You can't live for it now. How are you going to die for it then? I wouldn't make plans for that. Amen. Right now, there's an anointing, and it's not an ox anointing, it's an eagle anointing. And it's not a sitting duck, it's a flying eagle. Amen. It don't worry about crossing the river. Amen. It flies right over between death, right into the other dimensions. It crosses right over. Amen. It said of you that they that wait on the Lord, they will renew their strength. And they will mount up with wings as an eagle. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. This is called the anointing upon this age. It's the eagle anointing. It's the miracle anointing. It's where he snatches the people away. It's the escape. I want you to know the rapture is an escape. Some people say, well, don't look at the rapture is an escape. It is an escape. The Bible said we should pray always. Jesus said pray always to be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming upon this earth. And God has provided a way out for you. 
just as he provided a way through the Red Sea and escape for Israel. God has provided an escape for you in this day. You'll not go through the tribulation, little children. You're going to go into rapture. Amen. You're going to escape the judgments because I've got to judge the world. But I can't judge it yet. You see, I can't judge it. I can't pour out those judgments on the earth until I get my people out of there. Why, God, would you delay? Here they are, screaming out against that beast system, against the great whore, against the evils that are done, calling on the name of the Lord, watching their children killed and slaughtered and murdered. And all this, God, why don't you answer? And how come you won't judge them? And how come you don't move? And God says, I'm reserving it. Because there's a part the great horror has to play in the end time. I can't wipe her out yet. She's got a part to fulfill. So therefore, what I'm going to do is all these curses, all of these speaking against them, God don't let them fall to the ground. He stores it up. And he holds it in bowls of judgment to be poured out in the tribulation. You see, the Bible tells you that, you know, that we should rest with him concerning the coming of the Lord because that, that God, he is, he, he's not unrighteous to forget. He's a, he's a kinsman. He's a kinsman redeemer. But yes, he's a kinsman avenger. And he says, I'm going to avenge that which is done wrong. I want you to know today, the devil and none of his angels will ever get by with anything they've ever done to a child of God. I want you to know that God is on their trail because his kinsman redeemer, it's his honor to right the wrongs that's been done to you. Not only will Satan have a jail time of a thousand years, but he's gonna have an end. But glory to God, you don't have an end. You don't have any jail time. Amen, you're gonna be enjoying a millennium, a thousand years of peace, reigning with him as king of kings and lord of lords, the queen by his side. Amen, you are people of the ascension. Amen, you're ascending into glory. You're not going down, you're going up. Verse 15 of chapter 16, behold, I come as a thief. These are the words that Peter had said. He comes as a thief. A thief comes in suddenly, quietly. He gets what he wants and goes. I'm coming as a thief. Oh, you said, Brother Tim, when he comes, every eye will see him and every tongue will confess wrong coming. They'll look on him when they appear, wrong coming. Yes, you know, we're, we're not just in one coming in this day. You know, right in this, in this last day, there are more than one coming of the Lord. Really? Yeah, there's more than one coming. There's a coming. He came 2,000 years ago to redeem a church. Amen. Then he comes for a church. And then he comes back with his church. 
So in this day, there's actually not very many years difference or between the coming far and the coming back with. We are in the day of a double coming. He's coming for you and you're coming back with him. You're going away for a marriage supper of the lamb. Amen, you'll spend three and a half years with him in glory. I don't know how it's going to be, but I kind of envision it like this. As we're all sitting down there, you know, there are seven, there are seven plagues. There, there are the seven, seven vials of plagues of stored up judgments. If you read real carefully, there are seven angels. These seven angels are seven church age messengers. These seven angels there, they also hold seven vials. Because he said, one said to me, which held one of the seven vials, he said to me, come and let me show you the lamb's wife. Come, let me show you the judgment of the great whore. And he was so much like Christ that he bowed down to worship him. John, who knew better than to worship angels or anything else, this one is so much like Christ. He bowed down to worship him because he could see as the ministry of Christ in this man and he bowed down to worship me he said don't you do it I'm a prophet like you are I'm one of your fellow servants so a man was holding the vials of judgment he's called a messenger an angel you see angels can be earthly men or heavenly creatures behold I send my messenger my angel before my face that was John the Baptist He was an angel. He was a messenger. He wasn't a winged angel. He wasn't a heavenly angel. He was an earthly angel. Seven angels, seven church ages, seven messengers. These are two seven ages. What is God doing? He's bringing a message. And I can envision as we're all sitting down there at the great marriage supper of the Lamb. I can hear him almost down at this side of the table as he wipes away all tears and takes from my remembrance. And they look over across and some of them looks and say, well, you know how we were persecuted and what happened and how you died. And, you know, and here we are. And look at us. We're enjoying the marriage supper of the lamb. It wasn't in vain, brother. When you stood on the ice and you went down naked there and freezing and and you stood there and and you would not deny his name and you lived for what you knew and you stood for the gospel. It's been worth it all, hasn't it, brother? About that time, one of the messengers stands up and said, time for a little entertainment. He picks up his bowl of judgment and he walks over between the quarters of heaven and earth and he pours out a judgment and there's all kinds of hell that is unleashed on the earth as judgment comes on the earth and he walks back and he takes a seat at the table and the whole process is repeated until all the judgments of God is poured out this all happens in the great wedding supper I'm coming as a thief as I said, how does the thief come? You know, well, I'll know when he's coming, Brother Tim. I'll know. You better be watching. There is one word that is given concerning his coming. He said, watch. 
Don't go to sleep. Don't close your eyes. Don't pretend it's always going to be the way it is today. It ain't. Change is about to happen. Amen. You can already see seasons is changing. You can know storms are coming. You look out there, you know, and you can feel the humidity in the air and you can feel the pressure, you know, the barometric pressure. You can feel all of this. You know, you know it's not summertime. You know that there's a storm coming. You know moisture is building up for a big class in the heavens. And you know with the trouble that's on the earth, when sin is reaching its height, you know that it's all building up with a great war in the heavens and the devil will be cast down and a bride will go up. It cannot always remain the way it is. Things are changing and we can feel the winds of change. How does a thief come? Uh, You know how I've described it before. You're laying in your bed. There's a big picture window in your room. Here comes a thief in the middle of the night. He takes this big rock, stone about that big, finds a brick or a bat, and he comes and he smashes that window, and he jumps in and he screams out, I'm a thief! What you shaking your head for? You Google that, you know Google will probably tell you that. Miss Google don't get everything right. That's not a way a thief comes. A thief comes in secret. He comes in, he gets what he wants. And he leaves. And nobody even knew he was there. And it may be a month later, oh that jewelry, that money. I had that stored away under the bed or in the closet or here or there or in my hiding place and it's not there. Did you get it? Johnny, did you see it? James, did you? John, you know, who, who was it? Who got this? No, we never said, Mama, I never touched it. Finally, you realize it was a thief. And that's where the rapture's gonna be. God's gonna come and take his little bride, his prized possession, like a thief in the night. And he is going to take his bride out of here and the world will go on just like it always has. It won't be reported in Fox News nor on CNN. So don't be watching for the news to see if the rapture took place. Raptures don't happen in CNN. You get drugged down, not taken up. And that's the way it's coming. He's coming the way he says. In fact, you may not think we know the day or the hour of his coming, but I'm, I'm one who does. When is the hour of his coming? Well, let me tell you the Bible. The hour you think not. When you're least expecting it, the change is coming. When, you, when others have given up and scoffed, the change is coming. 
Amen. You say, well, Brother Tim, you are clueless. No, we're not. We've already seen the size. Amen. The size of a man's hand. We already know the atmosphere is changing. We know already we can't feel at home in this world anymore. We already know Sodom is increasing. The fire is about to fall. Nuclear destruction will awaits. They threaten it every day. Blessed is the one who remains awake or who watcheth and keepeth his garment lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Verse 16, and he gathered them all together to a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. You see, there is a gathering. And right now Satan is gathering his forces. Right now people are, it's in a choosing time. This is the only time you can choose. Do you know even after the rapture, you will not be able to choose. Only right now is your only opportunity to choose. Today is the day of salvation. To wait until then, it's going to be too late. The Bible said that he that is filthy will be filthy still. He that is holy will be holy still. There'll be no change. And so only right now is the only opportunity you have at all to make preparations for the going, to be ready, to be watching. And he's going to come to those who love his appearing. And there's got to be a people who love his coming. And I don't just mean out there, but even as coming to church, they welcome his appearing. They welcome him in the song. They welcome him in the preaching. They welcome him in the worship. You say, what are these people shouting about, Brother Tim? They are welcoming him. They love it when he appears. So he gathered them to a place called Armageddon. You are either being gathered from one war, one side of the war or the other side. Brother Branham would tell us even the rock and roll music of Pat Boone and some of these Elvis Presleys and others, he said they're actually gathering people to Armageddon. You're being gathered in your worship. You see the gathering, you see people are taking their sides now. You today are taking your sides now. You're making your choice now. You're preparing now. Actually, you're making preparations to go into rapture or to miss the rapture. To be honest with you, you know, to be lost, you have to really work hard at it. Because God done everything in the wood that he could do to save you. And you have to walk over every promise of God to be lost. You have to fight your way to hell. You say, well, I believe, Brother Tim, I believe the message. Where's the commitment? Where's the life that is dedicated, a consecration, a surrenderance, an obedience? Where is that that calls you to prayer, that calls you to walk with God? Where is it that he works with you in spiritual ways, in spiritual dreams and visions and the anointings of the Holy Spirit? So, well, that's past, Brother Tim. You're making a decision. 
And your decision is to believe in the God of the past rather than the God of the present. And you're being gathered to Armageddon. But God has gathered the people to his word. And his word has power in it. It sets the captive free. It opens the eyes of the blind. It anoints men and women. It sets them forth. It puts a fire in their life. It gives them a passion for truth. He gathered them into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And you can see people being gathered. People taking their side. And the seventh angel poured out his bowl or his vial into the air. Into the atmosphere. And there as he did, there came a voice out of the temple. A great voice out of the temple of heaven saying, it is done. The plagues have been poured out. The judgment is finished. The fate is sealed. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake. Such as not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God. God don't forget. He's going to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hell out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the the plague of a great hail. This hail stones weighing a hundred pounds. Right about a hundred pounds apiece. Coming down out of the heavens. Because God will judge the great whore. And he will do exactly like he did in the Old Testament. When he stoned them with stones, he will stone them with hailstones. Because of rejection of his word, it's a serious thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. The Bible tells you that Rome will burn in an hour. There's a lot of this that we could go on. But I want you to go with me to Revelation 18 because it's part of the scriptures for our age. It's part of the prophecies of the end time. Revelation 18, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. That's why we're here today. Amen. That's why we're here. Yes, we came out. We met in little homes. Amen. We found little places like they do in Japan now. We, 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 we went to our home meetings. We went into our, our old abandoned churches and, and fixed them up and, and made them where that we could try to meet there. We built buildings. We won the place where the word of God could be preached. Amen. Like the Jews when they left out of Europe and was going into Israel, they wanted a homeland where what they believed would be appreciated and loved and they could have freedom to believe that. We wanted that freedom. And the Bible said, come out of her, my people. We obeyed that call. That's why we're here today. Why? That you don't be partakers of her sins. And receive not of our plagues. That's why we come out. Because the plagues that is coming upon them are not for us. I want you to understand God is going to get you out of here. Before the plagues fall. The fire is going to fall. But I'm going to take a rapture. I'm going to have a people. Amen. That are prepared. That are ready. That are watching. They're not a people of neglect. 
You're not a people who, who, who are scoffing, you know, finding fault. And, oh, this ain't right. And that ain't right. And I can't find anywhere to go to church. And, but you know, that, that even more that you see that day approaching. Is somebody with me now? You're assembling together. You're encouraging and edifying others. You're teaching your children. Put God first. Have a priorities right. Amen. We're, we're not in this world. We're not like the heathen out there. We go and worship God. We come to the house of God. We worship him when we come. We don't sit in our pew and draw on paper. We get in there and we clap our hands. We raise our hands and worship. We participate. Come out of her, my people. We're not to receive her plagues. For her sins have reached into heaven. And God hath remembered. Oh, God. I'm so glad that our sins and our iniquities he remembers no more. But if there's no repentance, if there's no, and your repentance is not a turning from then he will remember your iniquities. Reward her, even as she rewarded you, and double to her, double according to works. I'm not just going to pay her back. I'm going to double up on it. Amen. And the cup which she has filled, filled to her double. How much she's glorified herself and lived luxuriously and deliciously and so much torment and sorrow give her. For she said in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore, her plague shall come in one day. Death, and mourning, and famine, and she shall utterly burn with fire. For strong is the Lord who judges her. And the kings of the earth who committed fornication, who lived luxuriously, deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament for her, when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off. For the fear of her torment and saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is our judgment come. Think about it. One hour, she comes to waste. One hour is over with. One hour. Just think about that. Brother Branham would preach sermons like from that time on. He says from, from, the, from, from today, in five years, you can, be, you can be cleaning the spittoons in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a saloon. Five years from today, you can be a drunk on the street. Five years today, your marriage could be in shambles. Your home destroyed. Or five years today, you could be a real Christian. It all starts today. But it's going to catch up with you. Whatever choice you're making is going to catch up with you. You've got to decide today because in one hour things can change. It'll happen so quickly. And the Bible says, then the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over for no man buyeth her merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and fine wood and all miners of 
kinds of, of uh, vessels of ivory and all kinds of manner of vessels of most precious wood and bronze and brass and, and iron and marble and cinnamon and incense. It goes on and on and on and on. You don't listen. And then verse 15, the merchants of these who are made rich by her stand afar off for fear of her torment. Weeping and wailing, saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and bedecked and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. In one hour, so great riches has come to nothing. And every shipmaster and the company and the ships and the sailors and many in the trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of a burning, saying, what city is like that great city? And they cast dust on the earth on their heads and cried and weeping and wailing saying alas alas that great city in which was made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness in one hour she's made desolate come somebody's crying over but I want you to notice the next verse says and rejoice over her thou heaven and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. God is going to pay back every wrong that's ever been done to you. God remembers. He's writing an account. You don't have to do the paying back. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. But I'll tell you what, God's going to pay back. He's not going to forget one thing that's been done against his bride. His elect, his people, he's a kinsman avenger. They're going to face the wrath of the Lamb. He says, and the mighty angel, verse 21, a mighty angel took a stone like a millstone, great millstone cast in the sea, said, dust with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and minstrels, musicians and the flute players, the pipers and the trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman or whatever crafty be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard in thee no more. And the light of a lamp, a candle shall light, shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all the nations deceived, and in her was found all the blood of prophets and saints and all that are slain upon the earth. And nobody fits that description like Rome does. All the days of judgment are heaping up, waiting for the bride of Christ to be raptured so that they can be poured out. The scripture says concerning his coming, he that letteth will let until he be taken away. This speaks of the Holy Spirit and Brother Branham attributed that to the Holy Spirit being in the bride when he ministered the seals. So he says, he that letteth will let until she be taken out of the way. Because this is where that God is working and he's moving. He's moving in a people. And he's going to allow the the mystery of iniquity to work until the bride is taken out of the way. But one day he's going to take her out. And when he does, the man of sin will be revealed, the man of perdition. 
and there the son of perdition, and there he will, he will, he, he will be as shown in Revelation 12. Satan will be cast down into the earth, and he will come down having great wrath. Because he has but a short time. The devil don't have much longer. I want to announce to you the devil is out of time. The devil is out of time. We've reached the hour where the delay is coming over. The time even for your temptation is coming to an end. The times of your trouble. The time of the accuser of the brethren to accuse you. His time of accusation is coming to an end. In fact, of the matter, I want to just announce it's already over. Because God has said to a prophet, you are the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. You never did it in the first place. Hallelujah. And the time of his accusation, the time of the scoffing is about over. One day they'll scoff for the last time. I think about this bride is Rahab. Rahab was a harlot. Rahab was a Gentile. Rahab would be such a woman of faith, she'd be rode as a hero of faith. God took a harlot and made a woman of faith out of her. That's the kind of miracles my God does. Take a prostitute, an ill-fained woman, Make her hero. God can take a life of shambles and turn it around. He can do that for you. He can do that for your children. He did this for Rahab. He provided salvation for her and for her house because she believed the report. You know, the city was trembling. Because the devil, the devils, the demons there in that city, they had heard what he'd done at the Red Sea and they knew it was true. They'd heard how he defeated their enemies and they knew it was true. They heard how he provided bread out of heaven. They knew it was true and they knew he could bring water from a rock. And he just crossed them over Jordan in the flood stage. And they said, we've heard. We've heard what your God did. We've heard what kind of God. I believe that. I want that God. Save me. Don't let me and my family be lost. And he saved. She saved and sent out the spies. On the other side of her battle, that day at the battle of Jericho, her family was saved. Her house was saved. It was on the wall. That was the only thing that didn't crumble. Because when, when your house is built in faith, it'll never fall down. And here, even when judgments was falling around and, and, and Joshua, the judgment angel, was coming into the city and going to destroy all, there was a remnant. God always has a remnant. And here in this moment, in his time, here comes 
Rahab. There's a young man there by the name of Salmon. Some might call it Salmon. But Salmon in the Bible, just so I'm not calling him a fish. So Salmon, you know, he, he falls in love with this Rahab. And I can imagine the wedding ceremony coming on. They're standing before Joshua and the wedding supper is on and, 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 and the ceremony is going on. Is there any reason? Is there any impediment? Is there any reason why this woman shouldn't be married to this man? Somebody jumps up. Yep. She was a harlot. Yep. She had a dirty life. Yep, she's not worthy. Yep, she can't marry, be married into the tribe of Judah. Don't you know through that seed line will come Christ and she'll be the mother of the Messiah? She's not worthy to be that. And Joshua would turn around and look. He said, woman, where are your accusers? Bring the accusers. Bring them out. Bring those men that slept with you. Bring all of that that was of your past. Bring all that evil there. Bring them up and let us see it. Let's examine that. They're all dead. Hallelujah. What's it going to be that day? Whenever one of your enemy is dead, that old lust devil that bothered you, that old, that old drunk problem that you had, that old wine problem, whatever it was, your past is all gone. Gone. You have no accuser. They can accuse. That's the bride I'm talking about. Bride, I'm talking about those that there be delayed, those that be hold backs, those that it don't seem that it's ever going to come to pass, that with patience hold and wait on the promise. Let's bring the musicians right now. When the promise is delayed, sometimes it looks like it's a far off. But I want to tell you, it's nearer now than when we first believed. Say, Brother Tim, you preached the coming of the Lord since you was a boy. Yeah, and he's come for many. It's been a many that's laid right here in front of the pulpit that he came for. He could come for you today. But don't you want to be a part of that great rapture of the church? Don't you want to be a part and under the eagle anointing? Be anointed by the Holy Spirit to overcome in this day. Don't you want to do your part to make it come soon? Don't you want to have a godly life that others can take courage by? Don't you want to press forward where others can take hope? Because you didn't give up. I want you to bow your heads just a moment. Part of the end time is scoffers will be in the land. Are you a scoffer? Are you one that says, well, it'll never happen. Maybe you believe it'll just never happen for me. 
It can never be for me. I'll, I'll never get my healing. I'll, I'll never get my salvation. I'll, 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 never, I'll never receive my children saved. I'll never have my home right. It can never be. Listen, we serve a God of miracles. And God wants you to believe. It could be suddenly. I want to repeat back to you suddenly. You're just grinding right along, just slow but sure. Maybe you prayed the six times and nothing's happened. But suddenly, it's about to change. Suddenly, things are about to be different. Suddenly, God's going to promote you. Bring you into a greater area of your life than you've ever been. And you'll look back at the trials that you've been through and say, this prepared me for the throne. Suddenly, he will come on the wings of a morning. Suddenly, he'll rise as the sun pops up. And breaks over with his early morning wings shining over the earth. You'll see the sunrise into a glorious day. Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Are you doing your part? Are we waiting on you? Are you dragging your feet? Are you holding the church back? Well, I'll just quit, Brother Tim. I'll, I just won't go to church there. If I'm holding y'all back, I'll, I'll just... No. If you're part, you can't quit. You can't leave. You got to get in step. Wherever you are in your walk, wherever you are, don't let it become... Where the when. God himself stands in front of you like Sarah and she laughs. Can't believe that. I'm too old. Could never happen to me, God. I'm past my time. It's over with for me. You don't have to be that way with you. But if you are Sarah, if you are that way, He's passing by this moment. He's coming by your way. He's standing at your tent door. And say, though the promise has been delayed, the vision has tarried, yet it's going to come to pass. Lord, help me to believe. And forgive me of my unbelief. Would there be those in this service today that would raise a hand toward God and say, Lord, forgive me. I've got a little cold. I've got a little bit of doubting. I've had a lot of fears. I've had some unbelief there that slipped in. I've I've taken the wrong side even sometimes. I've been a scoffer and a doubter. But today I want my house in order. Today I want things that are wrong right in my life. I want to come with a new consecration. I've seen the promise delayed, but I remember you remember. I've been reminded that you're a God that don't forget. You're a God that pays back our enemies. You're a God that remembers our labors. 
You're God that remembers. That commitment we made to him when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior. And he's not given up on us. He's not given up on you this morning. He's a God that won't give up. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door. You see, it lays within your power to open the door as he knocks. Why don't you just ask him, Lord, reveal yourself to me in a greater way. I've got a little backslid and a little cold in my life. I'm just not fervent. I've become a little bit lukewarm, Lord. I've let people hurt me. I've let things be said to me that I took personal and... But Lord, you never said those things. People hurt me. Preachers hurt me. Friends hurt me. But you, Lord, you said I'll never leave you or forsake you. You're a God who cares. You're right on the verge of your blessing. You're right on the verge of your breakthrough. You're right on the verge of God moving in your life. Breaking every barrier. Breaking every fetter. Breaking that sin and that doubt of your life. You're right on the verge. You can hear, we can hear the sound of abundance of rain. We see the Lord working. We see healings in our midst. We hear of him moving there in cave churches down in China. Preaching down in underground churches. We hear of brothers, sisters over there that are embracing the truth under terrible persecution. Them standing for God. We hear of it going down into the dark jungles of Africa, over there in the far corners of Asia, and down into Burma. We hear of it moving in the islands of the Philippines. God's moving. He's calling his elect. While he's doing it, there's healings, there's miracles, there are things that are happening. People being filled with the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit is moving all over the world. God's moving right here in Evening Light Tabernacle. Amen. There are souls. We can look back in this year and we can see souls that have been saved. Do you know there are many churches go for years, not a baptism, not a convert. You realize how backslidden the church is? It doesn't have converts and baptisms and people come to the Lord. That's a backslidden church. Oh, we're little. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're five or six or 12. If you've got a fire in you, you're going to cause another fire to burn. Light the candle wherever you are. What about in your own life? How's it shining out to others? How's it moving? Do your part to make it come soon. Are you in step? Have you been a little bit out of step in your life? A little void of the Spirit. Hadn't had a breakthrough in years and years. Isn't it time? Isn't it time? When the promise is delayed, don't scoff. Don't get cold. Have patience. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. It's bigger than what it ever was. But I know you're going to do it. It's a greater miracle than it ever could have been. But I know you're going to do it. You spoke it. I'm going to have that promise. I'm going to embrace it. It's going to be mine. It's my promise. I'm not letting go of it. I'm a heel grabber. 
and I'm going to grab hold. If it don't come that way, I'll do anything. I'll do whatever it takes to get that birthright. I'll get that everything it takes to have that blessing. I'm going to be blessed. I'm walking God's blessings. I want to see his power in my life. And we parted the change. Taking sides with Jesus. Ask him today. Invite him. Invite him to your pew. Maybe it looks like you've taken the long way. Should have got to the promised land a long time ago. But God's had to lead you through Red Seas so that you could see his power. God had to lead you through desert places. We could show you he's provider. He had to show you, third, make you thirsty so you'd call out for his water that only he can give. He's had to allow you to go through dark places to bring you out in the light. But I've got an announcement. The delay doesn't last forever. Suddenly, suddenly he shows up. Suddenly he moves. Suddenly he comes. Oh, if I could have got to it today to realize, you know, the lamb has taken the book and opened the seals. He's brought the revelation of this last day after delaying for thousands of years. And now the seven thunders have uttered their voices. And we have heard now what was once mystery now revealed. God preparing you for his coming. So you wouldn't be behind in any spiritual gift. God equipping you for rapture time. God turning your heart to believe again. Let him turn your heart to believe this morning. I want you to say, Lord, deal with the doubt in my heart. Deal with the unbelief right there, Lord. See, you know, Brother Brandon would have to pray all the time. God, forgive me, I sins. He never was praying. God, forgive me, I smoked today, I drank today, I cussed today. That wasn't what he's praying. We all stumble with unbelief. Stagger at the promise of God. And we have to say, Lord, I'm sorry I uttered that wrong. Lord, I, I, I staggered at the promise. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. You let me go through this trial and I didn't behave myself wisely. But today I want things to be different. I'm here a part of a change. Suddenly, suddenly things are different. Suddenly he moves. Father, take these words today. Speak to hearts and lives. Lord, let the Holy Spirit just have its way, Lord, with them. Let them just realize that they're in the hour of your coming. And in that hour, Lord, scoffers rise. Even sometimes scoffers scoffing in our own hearts like Sarah did scoffing at the promise how could this be may we not scoff may we believe forgive us of unbelief there's times we're down there's times we're we're so human we're too human we've been but we've been birthed to be sons of God to rise up with eagle's wings may your children that have been beaten 
down and down and in the, in the, upon the low limbs. Feel the winds of the current of the Holy Spirit today. Flex their wing muscles and fly in the heavens where all things are possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Come, Jesus, come. Oh, even so. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Invite him. Even, even so. so to, to take your bride away. singing today come Lord Jesus come the last prayer in the Bible is still a prayer waiting to be answered and that was the prayer of John that said even so come Lord Jesus come do you know if that's the last prayer of our book the book of Revelation, that's got to be the prayer of our hour. There's got to be a people that are praying that same thing, saying, oh God, whatever you do, don't leave me here. Amen, I don't want to be left behind. Judgment's coming on this world, troubles us. It's heaping up, wrath in the nations, troubles are brewing everywhere, storm clouds everywhere, but come, Lord Jesus, come. You know, when the last seal is, was opened, it opened up the silence. 
And in that time, what they're opening up of the silence, there were prayers that were mixed with much incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they ascended up before God. And then things began to happen on earth of thunder, lightning, and earthquakes. And when I think of that, I think of one prayer. One prayer that's been stored up. Just like vials of judgments that have been stored up, waiting for the bride to leave. But there are prayers that were stored up. The Bible said they were... There was a bowl of prayers, or vial of prayer, a vessel of prayers. And these prayers were taken and mixed with much incense. And they ascended to God. And when he heard them and received them, he began to do things on the earth. And there's one prayer that I know he stored up. Even so, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Can't you imagine the saints down to the ages? John said it. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Irenaeus said it. Come in my age, Lord. Paul said, we which are alive and remain. Luther said, surely he's coming in my age. It's our prayer, Lord. Come for the Lutherans. Wesleyan said, you've sanctified us. Come, Lord. We're a holy people unto you. The Pentecostal said in Azusa Street, you poured out gifts. Surely it's your coming. But God had to wait until sending a prophet in this day to turn our hearts back to the original faith. To turn our hearts back to the word again. But it's the hour and the time where those prayers are to be mixed with incense. And here we are in the coming of the Lord as he brings about his coming. And here, how did he come in his first time? His first coming was with John the Baptist. Before he came as a Messiah, he came with a messenger to prepare the way. And here he comes in bright form in this day. And before he does, he sends Elijah the prophet. I want you to know, we are here in the very cycle of his coming. And those prayers are being answered. And things are happening right now on the earth to bring about the coming of the Lord. And it ought to be your prayer today, Lord. Let me help make it come soon. Amen. Take out the hindrance in my life. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, to take your bride away. by your heads right now you know you got to start somewhere you got to start somewhere you got to start somewhere it might be with just a simple hand raised to God now that don't give you the Holy Ghost that's just saying Lord I need you come by my way forgive me of my sins I want to accept you as Savior 
Maybe there's somebody here today you need to start right there. You just need to put a hand up toward God. I'm not ready for your coming, Lord. Today I want to accept you as my Savior. I want to just raise my hand to you. God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. He sees you. Maybe you know something's out of order in your life and there's something you need sanctified from. You need a cleansing. That's the second work of grace. You say, Lord, there's a habit in my life. There's things I know I'm doing wrong. I'm not ready for the coming of the Lord. I need a purging. Will you cleanse me today? Will you raise your hand to him? Say, that's me. Lord, I've got things there out of order. I need it right. I need a real consecration, dedication in my life. I'm just, I'm lacking that sincerity. I'm lacking that dedication. I'm not where I ought to be with you. Maybe there's another right now and you want to make a move toward him and you say, Lord, I'm going to make a confession. I believe the message. But I realize it's only being able to read. I, I, I know it's true. But I really need the baptism of the Holy Ghost in my life. I really need Jesus to come. I really need that sealing that seals me to the day of redemption. Will you raise your hand to God and say, that's me, Lord. Don't pass me by. I need that, Lord. I need that for my life. I need to know that I know that I know that I know. Because he said at that day you will know that I'm in the Father, the Father in me and I in you. So what do I do now, Brother Tim? Seek him while he may be found. Knock so it'll be open to you. Ask and you shall receive. So while I've asked, it's delayed, knock again. Don't give up. It's for you. The promise is for you, for your children, for them that are far off. The same God that stirred your heart to move toward him. And that just little simple move, he's there to take you all the way. Say, here I am, I'm determined. What about you? Maybe there's some here that's been Christian a long time. I believe I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but I've just kind of become slack. I just really want to become like Enoch was. His name was dedicated. I want to be dedicated in my walk with God. I want to step up a little higher. I want to move up a little higher. I've been in this rut way too long. I've stayed in the tent way too long. I'm ready to come out. I want to bring forth that promise that God gave to me. God, I pray that you'll bless your people today as you moved across hearts and lives. You moved in souls, Lord. May this be the moment, Lord. And may this be just a cloud the size of a man's hand that they say, right now, right this moment, I felt that move of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna, from now on, I'm gonna act on this and I'm gonna pursue until I receive every bit of my promise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Before I go, I want to sing one more song. I'm longing for that glorious day when Jesus shall come back. I long for Jesus Christ, my King. Do you long for him today? We should long and love his appearing. Can you give me the verses of that? Amen. Well, I'm longing for that glorious day when Jesus shall come back. Thanks. When all the saints throughout the ages 
My, my, what a joy to 